Welcome to the University of Michigan Dentistry Podcast Series, promoting oral health care worldwide. In order for us to study the subclavian artery and its branches, we have to remove the clavicular area and the top of the sternum. If we look down at our relationships that we have previously studied, again the thyroid cartilage and the anterior neck muscles, the infrahyoid group of neck muscles, we come down to the area of the left and of the right sternal uh, clavicular joint, which articulates here uh, with the top part of the sternum called the manubrium. This is very critical in your dissection procedure. As you are reflecting and removing the clavicle laterally, you must keep the scalpel blade well down on the bone, because if you get the scalpel blade too far away from the bone, you're going to start cutting into some of the soft tissue arteries and nerves that we want to study. Keep the blade close to the bone as you're cutting through these heavy ligaments of the sternoclavicular joint and also as you're cutting underneath the clavicle, scrape on the bone laterally in order to eventually reflect the clavicle. Before completely reflecting the clavicle, make sure you take a look at the sternoclavicular joint again and at the lateral end, make sure that you look at the acromioclavicular joint. You will hear a lot about the acromioclavicular joint. This is the football player's so-called shoulder separation, but we know that the true shoulder joint is between the scapula and the humerus. It is not of the acromion and the uh, chromial end of the clavicle. But this is what they call the shoulder separation in athletics. And take a look at the joint and familiarize yourself with it. After the bone is completely freed up, you will then lift it out of its bed, having removed most of the periosteum by scraping along it and any other structures that are attaching to it, and then pull it back disjointing the acromioclavicular joint and removing the clavicle on both sides. Now when we look at the manubrial area, we have to be very careful in the dissection work. Here, the manubrium extends down to the second rib. The second rib is at the junction of the manubrium above with the body of the sternum below. The manubrium junction is the manubrial sternal junction is here at the second rib. You must cut through the cartilage of the first rib or just below the cartilage. In other words, stay above this second rib junction and make a horizontal saw cut through the manubrium. But be very careful when you do so because there are structures immediately beneath it uh, that should be maintained. Also then, after that cut is, has been started, you will make an incision through the intercostal muscles between the first and second rib on both sides. And then using the bone cutters, cut through 
the manubrium and the first costal cartilage so that this whole section can be removed. After you have reflected the tissue from around each clavicle, you're told to turn it backwards, study the acromioclavicular joint, and remove the bone. Do this also on the opposite side. And again, be very careful staying close to the bone as you do this reflection. Cutting across the manubrium between the first and second rib, through the costal cartilage of the first rib, and dissecting through the intercostal muscles to locate the internal thoracic artery and vein, isolate it, and then by removing this segment of the manubrium, we are down onto the deep anterior neck structures. Remember, looking up again at the thyroid prominence, the midline landmark of the neck, we had the muscle passing upward from the sternum, which we previously cut, going to the hyoid bone, the sternohyoid muscle. Here is its lower extremity, where it originated from the back of the manubrium that we have reflected. And directly underneath it, then, is the long extent of the sternothyroid muscle, going all the way up to the thyroid cartilage. These then should be reflected so that they are clear of the area of dissection and they can be removed. Again, over at the side of the neck, we see the omohyoid muscle. Remember, this has been reflected previously. And in the carotid sheath, we see the internal carotid artery high up joining with the external carotid artery and passing down as common carotid, the large structure. Adjacent to it is the internal jugular vein. And at the base of the neck, behind the sternoclavicular joint, this vein joins with the subclavian vein, which is the direct continuation of the axillary vein, which we had previously cut from this area. And passing across here, to join with internal jugular, the two then form a brachiocephalic vein, which will join with the brachiocephalic of the opposite side and form the superior vena cava going towards the heart. Remember that very large vein that we had in place of the external jugular is coming down into this junction area of the subclavian and internal jugular. And at this location will be other veins feeding in from the base of the neck. The arteries in general accompany these veins, and we will study the arteries in detail. But first of all, coming into the intersection of the internal jugular vein and the subclavian vein is a structure that appears to be venous in nature. However, you see here, it is going back down into the deep neck. This is not uh, colored uh, with blood. Sometimes it is. 
It is a lymphatic trunk, the largest lymphatic trunk in the body. And all lymph of the body must get back into the circulatory system. This is the major trunk that receives the drainage from the lower extremities, the pelvis, the abdomen, the thoracic area, the left upper extremity, and the left side of the head and neck. It's called the thoracic duct. And here a beautiful relationship is shown between the internal jugular and over here the subclavian, and now we go down to brachiocephalic. It's in that area that this thoracic duct empties. We have the same sort of a duct over on the right side of the body. This is found only on the left side. For on the right side, there is a right lymphatic trunk that drains the right side of the head, the neck, and the right upper extremity. So this is the major structure that you should see on the left side of the body. As we proceed in this dissection, then, you should begin following the dissection guide closely to find all of these structures and clarify the small arteries and veins that arise from the subclavian. Here, passing downward from the brachiocephalic is the internal thoracic vein, and adjacent to it, quite large, is the internal thoracic artery. This artery will course down along the side of the sternum all the way down to the lower ribs, supplying intercostal muscles and giving small twigs off to the intercostal uh, areas for the supply of the skin of the front of the chest between the right and the left mammary gland. In the female, this is a very important blood supply uh, to the mammary gland. As we look at these venous structures of the neck once more, the very large vein that replaced the external jugular, the internal jugular vein passing downward to join here with the subclavian vein to form the brachiocephalic. On the opposite side of the body, we could see the same thing. Internal jugular passing downward joining with the subclavian deep yet in the tissue and forming the right brachiocephalic vein. And when the left brachiocephalic vein joins with that of the right, we have a superior vena cava going to the heart. As you see then, this brachiocephalic complex will be draining blood from the head, from the neck, from the upper extremities on both sides. In the neck region, we have some more nerves that we want to identify and other structures. But in order to do so, the internal jugular vein and the external jugular vein, if not already cut, should be sectioned. And the venous trunk, the major venous trunk, reflected towards the midline. A very major structure is now seen. This is the anterior scalene muscle, tendinous in its lower portion, muscular up into the neck region. And on it, in a very classical position, lies the phrenic nerve, 
which will pass across the border, the front surface of the anterior scalene, and continue down into the thoracic cavity for the supply of the respiratory diaphragm. Immediately behind the anterior scalene muscle are the upper portions of the brachial plexus. And you can see these nerves here as they come out from between the anterior scalene muscle in front and the middle scalene muscle directly behind it. In addition to these structures, uh, we must study the axillary artery. Again, in review, briefly, we must remember that the axillary artery is but a direct continuation and only a segment of this whole vascular channel going out into the limb. And it just so happens that at the outer border of the first rib at this location is where the axillary artery begins. And this, the subclavian artery, ends as it's going back beneath the anterior scalene muscle. And this anterior scalene muscle, again, is much like pectoralis minor in that the anterior scalene muscle divides the subclavian artery into three parts. The first part is medial to the subclavian. Uh, the subclavian artery is medial to the anterior scalene. The second part passes behind it, and here we can see the third part. Our dissection then will continue as we start removing the tissue in this area to clarify the subclavian artery and to note its branches. As we mentioned before, the anterior scalene muscle is that much muscle which will divide the subclavian artery into its three portions. Medially, we have the first part deep within the base of the neck. Behind the artery is the second portion and then emerging at the side of the anterior subclavian going towards the first rib is the third portion. There are many named branches of the subclavian artery, and the largest one, which we have already seen going down towards the thoracic area, is the internal thoracic artery. Adjacent to it is a, an artery which has many branches. It supplies the thyroid gland and the cervical area, and is called the thyrocervical trunk. One branch passes laterally and joining with the suprascapular nerve, together they run towards the scapular notch. This is the suprascapular artery. A vein accompanies it and the nerve in association with it. Also, higher up across the neck to the back of the trapezius muscle is another branch, transverse cervical, going into the trapezius muscle. Again, for orientation, these are crossing the anterior scalene muscle, which attaches here to the first rib. Transverse cervical artery and vein should not be confused with the transverse cervical nerve, which we saw going to the anterior 
skin of the neck. Now when we look down on the thyrocervical trunk again, we can see these branches once more. The lower artery which is going out towards the scapula, the suprascapular, it passes right along the back surface of the clavicle. The transverse cervical going a bit higher up into the trapezius muscle and just below that of the accessory nerve which we previously had studied. In addition, this thyrocervical trunk gives off an artery that passes upward, then starts to course behind the carotid structures, and eventually gets into the lower portion of the thyroid gland. This is called the inferior thyroid artery. And from it, usually we see a very small branch which continues upward on the anterior surface of the anterior scalene muscle, quite close to the phrenic nerve, and this is the ascending cervical artery. Back again to the first part of the subclavian, the very first branch is found deeply within. It is one of the largest branches of the subclavian artery. You don't see much of its course because this, the vertebral artery, will pass upward into the transverse foramina of cervical vertebrae. Vertebral artery. Opposite it, we have seen the origin of the inferior or internal thoracic artery. Now, we cannot see any of the branches of the second part of the subclavian because they're hidden by the anterior scalene muscle. So this muscle now needs to be pulled back, cut at its origin, or its insertion, whichever is more convenient. And here we have cut from the insertion on the first rib. And again, let's look now at the full length of the subclavian. The first branch in here is the vertebral. The other branch, the one that is running behind the sternoclavicular joint to get down to the interior of the thorax, the thoracic branch passing all the way down to the lower costal margin, internal thoracic artery. Close by, again, thyrocervical trunk with its multiple branches. But deep within here now, we can see an artery that runs directly underneath the anterior scalene to pass into the neck area, deep neck area, and into the first intercostal spaces posteriorly. This is the costal cervical trunk. There is one other artery of the entire system. This is an artery that will supply the rhomboid muscles. It is called the dorsal scapular artery. Sometimes it's a branch of the transverse cervical. Sometimes, as we have here, it is an independent branch from the second portion of the subclavian artery. It goes through the brachial plexus, and these fibers of brachial plexus can be seen behind. Sometimes dorsal scapula will arise from the third part 
of the subclavian artery as a separate branch. In this dissection also, we should look now in the thyroid cartilage area, and you can see the horseshoe-shaped thyroid gland. Follow the inferior thyroid artery into the gland. Clean up the tip of the upper pole on both sides to identify the superior thyroid artery and vein. And that basically then will finish today's dissection. We do have one other area indicated in the laboratory guide, a section called laryngotracheal region. Do not do this work at this time. Wait until we dissect the uh, laryngeal complex later on in the course. You've been listening to a presentation from the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, which is dedicated to supporting open learning and open educational resources. This recording is licensed under the Creative Commons. It may be reused and redistributed for nonprofit use. Please attribute materials to the University of Michigan School of Dentistry and redistribute under this same license. For more information on how this and other University of Michigan School of Dentistry recordings may be used, visit www.dent.umich.edu slash license.